You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's on the You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and we've got a great show for you guys this week. We have two great guests coming up. So just sit back, relax, and let's talk about art, music, and entertainment for a little bit, and chill out on, on our Saturday here that we have together. Now, actually, right after this show, I'm heading out to the uh, Disney Complex here in Orlando. We're going to be spending some time with Pete Trabuco. You all know him. Uh, he's been on our show before, and he has a brand new book out, so we're going to be talking to him about that on our television show coming up. But we're just going to kind of go hang out and, and relax and, and enjoy the new rides that are coming out here in the Animal Kingdom, uh, which is Avatar, and we're, hopefully I'll be able to get him on a, on a roller coaster, right? I mean, he is the roller coaster guy. So I'm really excited about that, and I will be back uh, same time, same channel next week. Nothing's going to change. We're just going to go out there for a little bit and have some fun. So our first guest today is Sarah Rue. She plays Joe Parker in a brand new Hallmark Channel movie called All for Love, which is airing tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're not able to see it live, please DVR it. It's going to be something you're going to want to see. She's going to be talking about her role and her career. Now, you've seen her on ABC's Less Than Perfect. She's also had recurring roles on Two and a Half Men, Rules of Engagement, Big Bang Theory, and Bones. This is going to be a lot of fun to talk to her about. And we all know that I love Hallmark, and I love their I love what they're able to produce. They produce some great stuff. So I guarantee this is going to be a top-notch movie. Then also we're talking to Yvonne Graber, and she is a she's really into fashion, but she's also an entrepreneur, and she's a product designer. And she created a brand-new product called Travel Eyes, which allows you to take your glasses and, and multiple no, multiple glasses and keep them all into one spot. I mean, you've all gone through like these theme parks or you've gone to the beach where you have all these cases for your sunglasses, your, you know, your friend's sunglasses or your kid's sunglasses, your husband's sunglasses, your wife's sunglasses, whatever, and you try to put them all together. And it's cumbersome. Well, Travelize allows you to, to take them, keep them safe, and be fashionable at the same time. So it's going to be really fun to talk to her about her products. And uh, let's see here. What else do we have before we go into anything? Oh, yeah. Let's go into our website. It's www.theamemagazine.com. You can check it out 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We don't charge anything. We don't ever want to charge any type of subscription fee because we want you to be able to go up there and see what we have and see the people that we've interviewed and show you what they've been able to do, and hopefully they'll inspire you to do something uh, out there. If you wanted to be a musician, some of them have have walked the walk, and they're talking the talk, and they're going to show you how they did it. But maybe that story might inspire you to try some other type of art, even though it's not music. we got a lot of stuff up there, so go check it out. And our television show, you can go check it out anytime you want. See all of our past travels, and we have some new stuff coming up here, which we're talking about tomorrow on tomorrow night's show. So I think you guys will enjoy that as well. Also, we're on different types of social media networks too. We are on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash the AME Experience, and we're on uh, Twitter, which is Dowd Studios, D O W D Studios. So check us out there. Talk to us. We want the conversation to flow. So if you have something to say about this show, past shows suggestions, whatever you want to talk about. Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. We would love to talk to you there as well. So I have some things that I wanted to talk to you guys about, which is pretty interesting. First of all, terrorism struck Manchester, England this week as Ariana Grande's concert was the target for a bombing. Now, what ended up happening was 22 people are dead. I don't know how many people are injured. And most of them are kids, teens, little girls, little boys who just wanted to go see their favorite pop star perform. It was done by Salman Abadeh, who is a Libyan refugee to the Manchester, England area. He actually lived about two and a half blocks away. We absolutely do, do not know the motive behind why he did this. We don't know if it's because of Islam and wanting to f- promote terrorism. 
Uh, we don't know if he had mental disorders. We don't know what his ideas were. He has been uh, captured, and they are going to be giving us a little bit more details as they find out more along the way. Ariana Grande is completely distraught over this. She has been extremely apologetic, going on Twitter and saying a lot of uh, apologies to people. Now, this is in no way, shape, or form her fault at all. So I applaud her for getting out there and, and, and trying to apologize and making her fans feel better. But Ariana, you are not the cause of this you did not you did not intend for this to happen and um, unfortunately they're just evil people out in the world this is such a senseless tragedy I cannot believe it happened but stay safe out there people you know they've already started to show that they're able to attack us at like amusement parks and uh, concerts and ballparks and everything else so please be safe and always 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 tell somebody that you love them give them a hug because you never know when it may be the last time and it doesn't matter if you're old or young. That may be that last time you see that person alive. So sh- tell them exactly how you love them. Okay, so now the next thing I want to talk to you about is a little bit more upbeat. <laughs> it's called fid- fidget spinners. That's a little bit of a mouthful to say. Anyways, fidget spinners are these little things that you put in your hands. You could spin them with your finger and just watch them go around and spin it, spin it, spin it. It's supposed to help people that are uh, a little bit distracted. They like to fidget with stuff, you know, fidget with pens or whatever. And it's also supposed to help you with ADHD. Now, I personally don't believe this is going to be the cure. It may actually involve more uh, distractions than it does help to keep you Uh, attentive on what you're trying to come up with. Personally, I have a bad case of ADHD, and I love fidgeting with stuff. In fact, as I'm sitting here talking to you right now, I got a little thumb drive in my hand with with a little case that I keep opening up and spinning around, and I have a pen in my other hand that I keep tapping with it. The problem with it is, is I keep looking at this, and sometimes it's hard to concentrate. I think I think these spinners could be a really cool thing to do. They're they're fun. I don't know if they're going to be more of a medicinal or a therapeutic type of device like we all think. I think they're going to be although the next fad. And what are fads? Fads are something that we decide to take up. Everybody's go goes gaga over it cuz they want to be that they want to partake in this particular thing. For instance, light up shoes, pogs, the pet rock, koosh balls. All of these things were something I grew up with, and they were extremely popular, but it was very short-lived. I like how the cool designs that you can come up with these things. I love that. I love how they spin so smoothly, but as far as the idea of it being something that's going to treat fidgeting, people that fidget, people that have ADHD, I think the only thing that's going to that's help that is specifically therapy, physical therapy talking with somebody and maybe in case in certain cases medication i don't know that's not for me to to judge i'm not a doctor but i think these are going to be fun i think they're going to be something that kids can enjoy and honestly it doesn't cost a lot of money it's like seven to ten dollars per spinner depending on how on how crazy you want to get i've seen some as much as 20 but the designs the patterns are amazing So what do you think? Do you think these fidget spinners are going to be therapeutic or do you think they're going to be a fad? Do you think we're going to be throwing them on the shelf one day with uh, pogs and koosh balls and all these types of things? Or do you think it's going to be something that could be a revolutionary new form of treatment for somebody that just can't sit still like me? I don't know. I want to hear from you. Check us out at Dowd Studios on Twitter and tell us what you think. All right, guys, we are going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have on the line with me Yvonne Graber, so don't go anywhere. we got so much more coming up. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have Yvonne Graber on the line, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. (laughs) 
Hi, this is Serena Palmer from Radio Rebel, and you're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I have on the line with me a very special guest. Her name is Yvonne Graber, and she's the founder of a really cool product called Travelize. And I'm very excited to talk to her about her invention, how she came about, how it all came about, and what how it will impact your life. So welcome to the show, Yvonne. How are you doing? Thank you, and thank you for having me on the show, Jason. Not a problem. So were you interested in inventing stuff as you were growing up, or is this something that you became passionate about after school? Well, I think during school I was pretty creative. And uh, as a youngster growing up, I always um, I worked for my father, who was an entrepreneur, on Saturdays in the jewelry store. So I, you know, I got to be creative there. And um, even in school, I was a great artist, and they called me Rembrandt II, so the creativity gene was always there, and um, the inventing part showed up a little bit later. Uh, I had been in the garment industry for 25 years, and I came up with my first invention, which was like a marking pen. It was called Remarkable, and it was used in the garment industry for marking where to sew the buttons on the garment, and then the ink would disappear after some time. Then in 2002, I started a computer business with that, too, was an invention because I had to create a niche market, and my slogan was all of a sudden because, you know, everybody always has a problem with a computer, and it's all of a sudden. My second idea, which I never acted upon, but I did think of, and I said, you know what? This time, I have an idea, and I'm going to pursue it, and that henceforth came Travelize. Um, and I have no regrets, and I'm just moving forward. It's probably the best idea that I came up with, and it's very um, useful in everyday lifestyle living. So what was the problem that brought on Travelize? There's, you know, when you come up with an invention, there has to be some type of a situation or problem that you run into. What was it for you? How did you realize that you needed this product? Okay, well, um, it started years ago. I traveled for a living. Uh, I was, in, like I said, in the garment industry. So while traveling, even for social, you know, socially with my family, I would carry a lot of reader glasses and sunglasses because I always would coordinate with my outfit. The, you know, my glasses would be the same color as my jewelry or the outfit. So I'd take about, you know, five, six pair of glasses and then two, three pair of sunglasses, and I needed a way to store them so that they wouldn't get crushed in my suitcase. So I started thinking about it, and it came to me that, you know what, maybe I need to take something, and I started designing and started drawing, and I came up with this idea of how to, you know, zip them together, and I put it, um, I had a prototype made, and hence, here we are. <laughs> now, I guess that would be a lot more uh, convenient than carrying around all those big heavy-duty glass containers that only hold one set of glasses you know i mean they're bulky i when i go to disney world i'm i'm always carrying my wife's glass containers you know and she's got two of them she's got one for her for her um regular glasses and one for her sunglasses and you know they, they can only fit so well into a pocket because there's two of them they're bulky so how does this make it a little bit easier for you can you can you put it in your purse can you wear it like a like a bracelet can you put it on a uh can you strap it to like your belt how does it work Okay, so what you do is you take your pair of glasses, you put them in one case. You take, let's say, your another pair of sunglasses, put it in the other case. Then you zip, they have zippers on either side. You zip them together on one side, and then you zip it around a strap, any strap on the other side. So therefore, they're always, you always have them close to you at hand whenever you need them. Now, what we found is that they're also great for carrying your cell phone. So what are the things that women reach for the most in life? The first thing they reach for is, where are my glasses? The second thing is, where's my phone? And usually when they're carrying a phone, it starts ringing in their purse. They can't find it. And by the time they get to it, they have a missed call. Mm. So it makes it so convenient because you have it on a strap right on your, you know, on your shoulder bag. And I'm sure when you go to Disney World, you're carrying a backpack or you're carrying some bag with the kids, you have, and it just makes everything so accessible. Now, so, can can you uh, use your product with like the cell phone and like uh, maybe some combs same, and and, mm -hmm. and glasses at the same time? Yes, 
You put one pair of glasses on one side. You take your cell phone on the other side so that you're carrying two things. Now, if you want to carry two sets of, of travel eyes, you could have, you know, um, a double set and then a double set. So you'd have, you know, let's say one on one side of your shoulder bag and one on the other side of your shoulder bag. But it's, uh, it's sold as a set of two so that you get a pair. So, and it's very convenient. Um, the, uh, we also have it where you can put, uh, I mean, people put other things. There are, and the, the uses are endless. I mean, I've seen people take pens and put them in, take the, a water bottle, put it in, take um, on a baby stroller. They put it, wrap it around the, you know, they strap it around the baby stroller. On a suitcase, you put it on the handle, on your gym bag, on your golf bag, tennis bag. I mean, even the elderly, are put it, you can put it on a walker. Interesting. So, yeah. Now, when you're coming up the product, there's a couple of things that obviously has to be, you know, considered. One of them is the quality of the materials. The second is the functionality, style, and price, because that all has to be into, into consideration because you don't want to pay super huge amounts of money for something that <coughs> may not technically work the way that you're expecting it or it might price it out of, pe out of people's price ranges. How did you come up with all these functions and these, spe these specific factors to make sure that your product was going to be something that it could be affordable for everybody, it can be durable, it could be fashionable, and um, you know, be a real good overround product? Well, prior to um, inventing Travelize, you know, I, I have a background in garment industry. I was director of manufacturing. So I called upon my resources and my contacts and to get the materials, where can I buy this? Where can I buy that? And I went back to my went back to my roots. In fact, the contractor here in the United States that makes them, I used twenty years ago. Mm. You know, so it was the, to get the final product made was very easy for me because I had all the resources. I experimented with prototypes and sizing until I developed the final product. Um, the mesh that it's made out of is machine washable and it's durable. Um, it's, uh, I also have, um, we make it, it's available in black leather and in um, uh, a brown leather for those who, let's say, carry a more expensive type of bag or want to use it a little more um, formally as opposed to sporty. Uh, so I had all these resources, so I took advantage of my history and my life experience. And that's um, really, I mean, and the styling and everything, it was just easy for me. Well, that definitely, naturally. that definitely must have made it so much easier because, I mean, I know a lot of people that struggle when they're coming up with stuff like that. You know, they try to use, like, really, really high-end materials, and then all of a sudden it's to the point where it's priced out of people's price ranges, and then they're like, well, what do I do now? So they got to go back. So having that, that issue of knowing how to buy and what what products can make it a little bit higher end, but what products can make it a little bit more affordable for everybody, that had to be a, a huge advantage to you and probably a lot of stress uh, saving, too, along the way. A lot of stress. You know, <laughs> because when you start a business, there's so much that goes into it and so much that can go wrong you know, in production. And you have to have eyes all over the place. And you're, it's just a 24-7 business. I mean, they're not enough hours in the day. I said, as an entrepreneur, you work 15 hours a day, just not all in a row. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's absolutely true. Now, when you came up with your product, did you take it into like a testing phase where you brought in a, a panel of people and gave them all a try and see what they did and see what their, what their reactions you, were? Yeah. Um, you mean like a focus group? Yeah, focus groups. Right. Uh, well, we're um, right. We uh, originally, what I did was I gave them out to people. I said, "Here, go test these. You know, run around with them. See, you know, if they're durable." And I did the same thing. I would wear it, and I would see, you know, what needed to be changed or what I needed to keep. What was what if it fell short anywhere? And you know something? The only feedback that I got is from people is, you know, it's so cool, and I, you know, I know where my glasses are now. I know where my cell phone is it's right here, you know, close, near to me, and it's, nobody has said, what do I need that for? Or, you know, that's stupid. Or it's always been a positive reaction, which is great for me, 
Oh, yeah. I'm, it's, very, it's very nice to hear that you came up with something that everybody likes. <laughs> That's true. Now, is it also gender neutral? Uh, it, I mean, sometimes there's just products strictly for women. Sometimes there's products strictly for men. But is this something that anybody could have? I mean, is it pretty neutral? Yes. Yes, because um, it's, um, the, the Travelize is made from a black mesh. And it comes with, um, you can have, there are six different colored zippers. And it comes in two sizes. So, and the colors, there are, there's all black. There's black with neon green, black with um, uh, bright yellow, uh, orange, a hot pink, and a purple. So there you have colors that are masculine as well as feminine. And the leather goes either way. Right, that's pretty. It, you know, black leather is for a man. He can wear it on his, um, uh, when he wears, um, uh, carries his backpack or when he carries um, his computer. Or even when he travels on his overnight bag, on the handle. So yes, it's great for men and women, uh, and men or uh, men and women can use it on their gym bag. They both play golf. They both play, um, you know, go play tennis. I mean, it's really anyone and any age. Kids use it as well. I mean, I have moms buying it for the kids to put their cell phone in on their bike, or for, uh, for putting, let's say, they go on a trip. And they take crayons or they take snacks and put them in there. I mean, so the uses are endless. That's really interesting. Now, I get tons of people all the time on Twitter and stuff like that sending me crowdfunding and all different types of ways to you know, try to get their product going. Did you ever do a crowdfunding uh, campaign with this, or did you take it to Shark Tank? How did you, how did you come up with your, with your ground, ground Roots funding, and how did you make it successful? The ground root funding is really coming from uh, from me and my husband. <laughs> when I say that, um, we sold our house and we downsized. So therefore, that we would save you know the money that way, and we we're spending it now on travelize. You know, here we thought we'd save money, and instead we're spending money because uh, <laughs> I came up with this invention. You know, <laughs> so and as far as Shark Tank goes, mm -hmm. I have not taken it to Shark Tank yet. Uh, you need to have a certain amount of um, sales, and um, you need, I'm not ready for Shark Tank, but everyone who sees it, the first question they ask me is they say, oh, you, you need to go on Shark Tank. <laughs> and it may be a consideration, like down the road, sure. but if you ask my husband, he'll tell you, soon to be on Shark Tank, he just doesn't say when. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. That's a good way of doing it. If you're going to do it, you could say you're. you're it, it shows your interest, but yet you're taking. You're taking your careful steps because I've seen people go on there, and it looks like they just got caught with their pants down because it's like they were completely unprepared. And um, you you really need to have a good focus on there because they will eat you alive if you're not careful. I mean, well, that's what, know, I guess why they call it Shark Tank. Well, here's the thing: I don't want to be dead to to Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> you no, know, he says you're dead to me. Yes. I don't want to be dead to him. Nope. No, I wouldn't. I have either. to be ready. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Now, what, um, this, I don't want to be, uh, you know, Mr. Wonderful has a way of saying, uh, he says, you're dead to me. So I don't want to go on that show and be dead to Mr. Uh, Wonderful and go on too soon. So if and when I go on there, it's going to be on my terms. Um, and my, uh, like I said before, my husband always says, soon to be on Shark Tank, but he just doesn't say when. So what do you see, foresee happening with this product? How do you want to see it grow over maybe like the next five years? Um, well, I'd love to have uh, 50 million users. Uh, and also, uh, I do have um, you know, some ideas for the future because I know you just you know, can't make it on one product. You have right. to have some variations or you know, uh, come up with some other products, which I'm working on in my own mind. And we're almost out of time, but I want to get your I, I want to get your your advice on some of the stuff here that I have for other people because I really like to inspire people, and not only inspire the people that come on my show, but inspire the people that are listening on my show. So, what advice would you give anybody that's looking to create a product that may be a little skeptical about themselves, maybe like you know second guessing themselves that they're going to make a product that's going to work, or they just don't think it's going to be good enough for people? Well, uh, my guiding uh, what I would say is. This has always been my business philosophy. You need to find a void and fill it. Uh, 
and you never too old or it's never too late to start or invent something. And you have to live with what they call the two Fs, focus and financing, and, and then prepare a sales program. And as far as what you can expect, uh, you can expect to spend a lot of money trying to figure things out with the marketing, the social media, the PR. There'll be days when you want to throw in the towel or just cry. And then you ask yourself, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. You have to have, you know, I would say you need to persevere, be resourceful, have determination. And remember, all it does, all it takes, it's really one yes. That's it. You know, I, I listened to, um, you know, I don't know if you saw the movie, uh, Joy, the story of Joy uh, uh, Mangano and her miracle mop story. No, I have not. Okay, that's an inspiration to me, as well as Lori Grenier's book, Invent It, Sell It, and Bank It. You know, <laughs> she tells you all the steps of inventing and what to do and how to patent things, which I also you know, have, you know, how, what to do and, and just keep going and going and going. You're never too old. If you think you have a good idea... Go for it. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I heard on the t- television, actually, it kind of made me think, and they said, you know, there's not a lot of women that are inventors or engineers in this world, and that needs to change. And I'm like, you know, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty profound. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is true, what advice would you give to young girls or older women that are looking to maybe take this as a career? Well, um, I, you know, really, if you see a problem, you know, if you see that there's a problem out there and you can come up and create a solution, that's how inventions come to be. Mm-hmm. I think the best inventions are the ones that fill a void. And I think that women are out there, the moms, you know, these uh, women who are in, um, vested in education or vested in um, uh, exercise and health, there are so many different ideas you can come up with. You know, like, how many times do you find yourself saying, wouldn't it be great if there was something that could do this and do that? Ah, that's a good idea. Maybe you should invent it. And just pass it by a bunch of people and see, you know, if I had this, would you buy it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But as far as being, you know, um, whether it's women or not, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. Like you said, I'm not sure if it's true. I mean, you don't have, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think that is, I think it's gender neutral in that thing. You know? I would think so. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't really matter what that would pertain to, but I would think that sometimes women would, would probably look to, to invent more um, products that would maybe focus towards women and it may not be, you know, as looked at as a general because of the fact that, you know, it would just be, you know, gender specific. And the same thing could happen with men too. So um, I don't know. I just, I, I really don't know if that's true or not, but I hope I, it's not. Well, I think that inventions are, you know, basically it's generic. Yeah. It's not, I don't think that, um, you know, maybe there are some, I mean, products that women would come out with because, you know, of course, you know, women, you know, we wear makeup, we, we you know, we, we have certain needs that men don't, you know, they're very simple and women are a lot more, you know, they carry a pocketbook, they carry, you know, um, a briefcase, they carry, you know, so many different things that maybe they're more apt to come up. I would think that women are more apt to come up with ideas than men. (laughs) Quite frankly, I really do. Yeah, I would think that. Well, uh, we are out of time, so I want to give you the chance to be able to tell everybody where they can go get your product and maybe find out more things that you have coming up in the future. Okay. Um, you can visit us at Travelize.com. That's capital T-R-A-V-E-L-E-Y-E-Z.com. And remember that Travelize is an everyday necessity, not just an accessory. So again, that's Travelize, T-R-A-V-E-L-E-Y-E-Z dot com. You can reach out to us on the website, and um, 
You can, uh, if you want to email me, feel free. Anyone who's interested or who has any questions, I'm always there to answer anything or to help you make the right purchase, which size is right for you, depending on you know, the size of your glasses or the size of your cell phone. So I'm always there to answer any questions. Well, Yvonne, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun, and I wish you all the best, and I can't wait to see what you have to come up with in the future and maybe come up with some really cool products. I thank you, and I hope to in the future. You know, this is only the beginning of my success. That's right. Or my journey. Jason, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you again for having me on your show. Anytime. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got so much more, so don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy, that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop in Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. This is Vic DiBattetto. You are listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome back, everybody. I have on the line with me a very special guest. Her name is Sarah Rue, and you have seen her on her starring role in Less Than Perfect on ABC. You've also seen her on Two and a Half Men, Rules of Engagement, Big Bang Theory, and Bones. And now she is on a new um, movie from the Hallmark Channel called All for Love, and she is playing Joe Parker, which this particular show airs tonight at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So welcome to the show, uh, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate you promoting our little movie. Oh, I love these type of things, you know, and I love, I, <laughs> I, really, come to, I really come to love Hallmark and uh, all these other types of movies because I actually find them sometimes more dramatic, more realistic, and more heartfelt than I see sometimes in the movie theaters. And what's cool about it is I don't have to leave my bed if I want to. I could just sit there and, you know, eat some popcorn, relax, and just chill out. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, I sort of feel like the movie is, like, the screen equivalent of, like, you know, comfort food. Like, you, it's so nice. You cuddle up, hopefully with someone you love or with one of your pets or whatever you want or a glass of wine, whatever does it for you. <laughs> cuddle up, get cozy, and watch the movie. And it's, it's, you know, it's romantic comedy, which is, you know, one of my favorite genres of all time. And it's, this one's really fun because there's, there's a lot of physicality to it. And... Um, uh, I think it has a really good heart, you know, and you can always count on that with, with the Hallmark movies. Absolutely. And I love how you said that, like, comfort food. It's like the equivalent to comfort food. I love that. That's, that's a great analogy. I've, you know, I'm married with two kids. Our favorite thing to do is, like, get the kids to bed. If they go to bed early, you know, it's like a treat, and we get to cuddle up and watch something, you know, snuggled up next to each other on the couch. Like, it's, there's nothing better than that. No, there isn't, and what I love about Hallmark movies, too, is that they are, they are very wholesome, and I think that there's been a lot of that missing in, te- in today's uh, television stuff, so it's nice to be able to have that alternative to go there and see it. I mean, the, the other stuff's great, don't get me wrong, I love the other stuff, too, but sometimes you just miss mm-hmm. wholesome movies like, like I was used to, or wholesome TV that I'm used to growing up. Right, right. You definitely know what you're going to get with Hallmark. There's no... There's nothing um, shocking or offensive. It's, it, it, like I said, it's like it's it's a very safe, cozy way to spend a Saturday night. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about the movie. Kind of give us like an overview of what the movie is without spoiling anything for anybody. Okay, no spoilers. I am not good at that. I've already spoiled the movie for like twenty people that I talked to today. No spoilers <laughs> for your audience. Okay. So it's um, about uh, my character, who is a romance writer, sort of think. Um, romancing the stone you know she's a romance novelist who is super dedicated to her work and she's working on a new book that um, has a military theme a navy seal theme to it and she doesn't really know much about the navy seals so 
she is encouraged by her editor to actually learn, you know, herself what um, Navy SEAL training is like. So she goes and gets in this Navy SEAL boot camp and meets people who are training to be actual Navy SEALs and learns firsthand um, what it is like to be a SEAL. And um, the other side of the, the coin of the film is that she, because she's concentrated so much on her work, she hasn't spent a lot of time working on her own romantic life. She's just focused on the romance, the romantic life of her characters. And um, so that is another um, element to the movie is that she's not only learning about SEALs and SEAL training, but she meets the guy who runs the camp. And, you know, there's a, they have a sort of a, a connection and a chemistry, but they're very, very different and they butt heads a lot. And, um, you know, you have to watch the movie just to see what happens in the end. But, um, it's 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 a lot of fun. Now you said earlier that you are a fan of like romance comedies and stuff, and obviously here your character's playing a romance novelist. How close mm-hmm. are you? Uh, how close are you to your actual character in real life? Um, in real life, probably not that similar. Which is fun as an actor to play people who are not like you because you it it, it makes you work harder, which I think is always a good thing. Um, but I do, you know, I, I feel very lucky that I, I have gotten to focus I've been on my work. I've been working as an actress since I was nine years old and, and been lucky enough to, to, to be working this, this whole time. But I've also, um, you know, had time to meet uh, my husband and, and have our children and be raising our family. And, and I've been able to kind of find a balance between personal life and my work life and that's something that joe isn't able to do at all but she maybe learned to, to do it a little bit better through the course of the movie but it's something that i've i've been really lucky to to, to do i think as an actor there's a lot of downtime and i just because now you know i want to fill all all my downtime with with my family and, and, and my kids and my husband it's it's a i get i've i've had a nice balance i'm lucky yeah, I hear that. I mean, that's one of the things that I have seem to have the worst problem with, even in my own life. And I'm not an actor or anything like that, but I do a lot of uh, artistic photography and video shooting and stuff like that. And I know that I have been dying. I mean, it almost seems like it just, it, it's just itching for me to, to just have some downtime with them so I can spend some time with them. And sometimes that's very hard to do. So I know, I know that struggle. And I, I just I wish I knew how to uh, obtain that sometimes. But I think it's sometimes you just have to just sit back and say, look, i got to take some time for myself and just be more um, pro, uh, proactive about saying, look, I, I, gotta, I, I, gotta, I, I see what the problem is here and i got to just do this. Whether I want to or not, I have to do this. So, um, is that it? Yeah, and I think, I think time management is a, is a key you know, to, to having a successful marriage, being a good parent, and maintaining your, your work life. You know, I think the night before, I sort of plan out what my day is going to be like. And look, there are some days where my my pickup is 4 a.m. and I'm on set till 8 p.m. and there's nothing I can do about that. But the days where I'm off or the days where I don't work till later, I definitely like to plot out, okay, I'm going to have these two hours and I'm going to take, you know, my daughter Tallulah to her art class. I'm going to come home. I'm going to get a little time with the baby and then I'll have time to quick a shower and get to work. <laughs> like it's just about sort of planning and using every minute that you can in the best way possible, I think, for me anyway. Well, hearing from a lot of other people in some of these different movies and stuff like that, I've been actually really shocked to find out that some of these movies don't take that long to tape. What was it like for this uh, particular movie? What was the shooting schedule like? Was it pretty intense, like 12 days or 14 days, or was it kind of prolonged over a couple of months? No, we had 14 days to shoot, and um, they were... I'm basically in every scene, I think, with the exception of two. So I was I was working a lot. It was, you know, 16-hour days, uh, 14 days in a row with the exception of weekends. Um, and then the first week, I think we only got one day off in between the days. It was sort of a weird schedule. Um, and normally then, you know, when you do intense work like that, you'll have like a week or two of downtime, hopefully, before you go into your next thing. I, on the other hand, was going right into a series, so I actually didn't get any downtime, and that was a little bit hard. Just my my older daughter was really missing me, and um, 
it was a long time to pretty much be gone. But luckily, my husband is um, super supportive and really generous with his time, and he's such a great dad. And he was um, on location with us and um, was able to bring the kids to set for lunch, and they would come hang out when I was doing hair and makeup. So we did find time to spend a little, a little quality family time together, even when the schedule was very intense. That's awesome. And, you know, what kind of shocks me about all this, it's like 14 days. I don't know how I could memorize an entire play, uh, an entire script, get into my character and produce that in 14 days. So, I mean, but I'm not an actor. I'm not an actress. That's why you guys do what you do. But how do you manage to do that? What, how do you, how do you mentally get prepared to do something in 14 days like that? I mean, how do you, how do you memorize a script? What's your, what's your, what's your little secret that you, that you take to yourself? Um, in terms of memory, like, I tend to focus more on finding the character and sort of her background and her history, um, and then I work on the actual lines later. Um, so for when, I, when they first sent me the script and offered it to me, it was more about reading it and breaking it down in terms of the arc of the character, where she was starting from, where she was going, where had she been, that kind of thing she feels about all the other various characters. And then when you get close to the time... Um, I would work on the actual lines per week. So I would break it down. Um, okay, the first week of shooting, we're shooting these, you know, whatever, 30 scenes, um, and really focus on learning those, and then let those sort of drain from my brain as soon as we finish, and then the next break, the next day off, work on the next 30 scenes or so, um, and, and sort of break it down like that. But, you know, you do have a lot of time on set where you get to run lines with other actors and if something is not cemented in your brain because we were shooting a lot of pages a day. Um, normally when you're working on a show or a film, I find that you shoot, I think, on average four to six pages a day, and we were shooting, you know, nine, ten, eleven pages. It was, it was a lot. Um, but you you know, you just, you take it as it comes and you have a lot of downtime when they're writing and when they're um, doing what they need to do to set up the shots to really cement everything in your brain. But I'm lucky that I'm, I'm a pretty fast study, so I can read things a few times, say it out loud a few times, go over it, and I pretty much, I pretty much have it. That's amazing. I wish I could have a memory like that. I used to, <laughs> uh, and, but I think all the concussions took care of that. <laughs> well, yeah, I actually, my memory was a lot better before I had two children. I have to say, my brain doesn't work quite as well as it used to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, that's what I love about, that's what I love about this field, and it's so fascinating, because I've actually tried to sit down, I have, I've had some scripts in my head, too, that I wanted to sit down and do, and I've realized that it, it doesn't take sometimes too much, too many uh, verses and, and words and stuff like that to really fill up an hour and a half, which is pretty interesting because, you know, you sit there and see these two-hour movies and then I see scripts from sometimes they're no more than 80 pages. And I'm like, wow, that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting. But then I realize there's so much more that goes into it. So I'm learning so much about this, and it's such an amazing field, and I hope people that want to get out there and try this themselves do it because I think it's a lot of fun, and it's amazing what you can do. What's, what's the best part about your character, Joe, in this particular movie for you that made you want to say, that's the person I want to play? Um, you know, I liked the overall script. I liked you know, like I said, I'm a big fan of rom-coms in general, so the genre to me was very appealing. I liked that there was a physicality to the character that she got out and did these training things, um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I was also really attracted to the fact that it was a female director, a female producer. We had a female camera operator, a female camera focus puller. Um, it was a very girl power, pro-woman set, and that was really, really wonderful to, to, to be on as, as, as an actress, to, to be working with um, a lot of women on the crew was very empowering and really, really cool. So that was a bonus. Um, and working for Harmark, which is, you know, they're a great company. And um, it, it, was, it was all a win for me. Like, I was like, this is all great. And the, the project that I'm working on now is actually based, is, we're shooting in Vancouver, and so this movie shot in Vancouver, and the timing worked out perfectly that I could shoot it right before I went into my next thing. So it just, everything sort of lined up. I'm, I'm not a huge believer in everything is predestined and meant to be, but sometimes things line up in a way that you can't ignore it. And when timing works out so perfectly, and it's, it's in the very same city that I need to be in anyway, 
um, you know, you just you just go with the you go with the flow and just say, okay, this feels right. There's something that feels right about this. Absolutely. So, what do you hope when people are done watching this particular movie that they take away from it and be able to maybe just see it is in a way that you hopefully that that, it, that you hope that they see it. Um, something that the character struggles with, uh, she she plays it safe, um, and I think he learns throughout the course of the film that to grow as a person, sometimes you have to take risks, sometimes you have to face your fears, sometimes you have to do things that make you uncomfortable so that you can be a better person or you can achieve your dreams or um, even connect with somebody that you want to connect with on a certain level, and so the character goes through this sort of transformation in terms of her um, her own sort of being, stepping outside of her comfort zone, I should say. And I hope that if there are people out there, um, you know, struggling with facing their fears or wanting to accomplish things but not letting themselves because they're scared for whatever reason, that maybe they can, you know, take a deep breath and, and take a, a leap of faith and just go out and do it and, um, you know... Uh, hopefully face a fear that that maybe has been holding them back you know life is so short i feel like we should all just like sometimes you just need to close your eyes and jump mm -hmm. i hear that i do that all the time i say that to myself all the time <laughs> that's a it's a great yeah, it's a great bit to. of wisdom yes you have to <laughs> so um are you going to be doing any live tweeting during this particular uh premiere on uh, basically tonight um, I'll definitely be tweeting up until the premiere. I'm, unfortunately, I have some I have uh, plans that I I have to I can't get out of tonight for work. But um, I will be definitely. People can follow me on Instagram. I've posted some pictures from the set. I'm at Sarah Rue on Instagram, and I'll be posting um, some more. I'm sure, and um, I'll be tweeting as well. I feel like I, I sort of Instagram for photos, tweets for words is sort of the way I the way I roll. So you can follow me in, in either place. Awesome. Now we got about four minutes left, and I'd love to be able to, to you know, get inside and, and learn about the people that come on our show because I think that's important for people to learn where you come from and how you got here. So when did you start acting? I think you said nine, but what kind of got you into the particular field in itself? Sure. Um, I was I'm born and raised in New York City. My dad was a Broadway stage manager. My mom was an actress. Um, I grew up um, in and around the New York theater community, very lucky that way, and I knew that I wanted to be involved in some way. I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to be an actor. I just knew that I wanted to do this, like I wanted to be a part of this community. I wanted to be a part of the theater. I knew that I loved it, and it, it, it evoked emotion for me. Um, and so anyway, having that knowledge as a little kid and and going to my, my parents' opening nights or going to on out on tour with my dad, I was exposed to a lot of it at a very early age. And one night when I was about, I guess, seven and a half, eight years old, I went to an opening night party for one of my mom's shows and uh, an off-Broadway show she was doing. And I don't remember the name of it, so don't ask me. And, <laughs> um, and uh, I walked it up the stairs to the... Um, place where the party was with a few of the actors um, in front of my parents. And when I got up there, there was an agent there, and I had cut my own bangs, and I had chipped my front tooth and um, had glasses. It was very character-y looking as a, as a kid, and um, I still am. And um, this agent came up to me and asked if I wanted to be on TV. And I was like, yes, I do. I totally do. And so before my parents, I would say before my parents could get up the stairs to the party, I had an agent, and so um, we, my, this agent talked to my parents into letting me go on one audition, you know, seeing how I liked it, and if, if you know, the odds are she's not going to get it, she's not going to like the rejection, and that'll be that, and she can go back to ice skating or whatever I was doing, um, and so my parents agreed to let me go on an audition, and they got headshots for me, and I did the whole thing. And I went on an audition, and I got a call back, and then I got another call back, and another call back, and then I was being paired with other people and mixing and matching, and then I got a call that I got the job, and it was a movie on location in the Hamptons, and I was playing Burt Lancaster's granddaughter and Kevin Spacey and Francis Conroy's daughter, and um, it was an incredible opportunity and experience, and of course, my parents, I think, 
they were excited for me, but they were also sort of horrified that their plan of, oh, she it and then she'll lose interest had completely backfired on them. <laughs> and um, I went and shot the movie and fell in love with acting. I loved pretending to be someone else and memorizing the making people laugh or making people smile really good as a little kid. And then I also realized that it meant that I could get out of school, mm. which I was not a big fan of school in general. And so the fact that I had an onset tutor who paid a lot of attention to me and um, I don't know, I loved everything about it. It's what's it for, for me as a kid, it was really magical. And so then I kept auditioning and then I got a series called Grand that was on NBC for two years and we went out to Los Angeles and um, I shot that show and I loved that experience and I really learned a lot about acting and what being an actor really meant um, from being on that show and from uh, Pamela Reed, who's a wonderful actress who played my mom, uh, was very kind to me and you know, really uh, took me under her wing and, and taught me a lot. And from there, then then I just was lucky enough to to continue working and I did movies and kept getting TV shows and going back to Los Angeles and finally moved there and um, you know that sort of that's how it all began and then I just have been lucky enough to be able to keep working and to keep doing what I love that's awesome I love to hear stories like that also if you get to play if you got to play any any character in the world you could be anything because obviously you're an actress, what would you be? What would what would be that role that you want to play? Um, I think for me, right, I think that, you know, the answer for me to that question changes, uh, like, um, with my age, with my experience personally. I think right now I'm really craving being able to play being a mom. I haven't played a lot of moms. I've played a lot of pregnant people, <laughs> but I haven't played a lot of, um, you know, female characters with children. And, um, you know, being a mom and having two young children has been, of course, the most rewarding, amazing thing in my life, but it's also been extremely challenging. And there's so many things that go along with it that people just don't really talk about or don't talk about honestly. And so I think playing a mom um, who's maybe, you know, dealing with situations in um, realistic but funny but serious but crazy ways would be uh, appealing to me. You know, I'm, I'm, I come from a comedy background, so always I'm always sort of, I always gravitate towards the funny. But, I mean, playing um, a struggling mom would be something that would be really appealing to me right now. But what's interesting is if you asked me in three weeks what I'd want to do, I'd be like, well, I want to do a serious period piece drama <laughs> where I play a single woman with no children. Like, it, it changes... <laughs> Um, all the time because as an artist, you know, whatever is sort of emotionally piquing your interest at that moment, um, you know, you think about and you hopefully explore a little bit and then something else, you gravitate towards something else. So um, I, I, that's my answer today. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, you've been, you've been a child actress uh, going, you know, from the age of uh, seven to nine. If your kids came up to you today and said, "Mom, I want to be a, I want to be an actor, an actress," what would you tell them? Would you support them? Would you try to, t t you know, get them out of it? What would you do? Uh, I don't know. My answer, when other people have asked me, like, should I let my kid be? Should I let my kid act? Before I had children, was always like, don't let them do it unless they have to. Like, if you can't, if you feel like you will die if you don't get to do this thing then let them try to be an actor. But I think it's really difficult. I think young people dealing with the kind of rejection that you have to deal with um, as an actor is, is, is challenging. Um, so my advice is always, like, only if they have to do it, let them do it. But now, being a mom, I don't know, if my daughter came up to me, you know, wide-eyed and was like, I really want to do this, I really want to try, I don't know how I could say no. Um, but it would be it would be hard for me to let her. I think I would do the same thing that my parents did. I would set, uh, like I would set boundaries. Like they, oh, they didn't let me go on commercial auditions. They didn't let me audition for guest stars. They only let me audition for series regular roles on network shows and you know bigger movies. And because that was a way to limit the auditions, limit the 
number of things that I could possibly be rejected for. Um, and I think that that was a good way to do it. Because um, then if you get something, you get something hopefully good and hopefully something that's sort of um, whatever, high profile or however you want to put it. But also you're not spending your life running around from audition to audition to audition because I think that is, you know, one of the hardest parts of being an actor. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I cannot wait to see this movie, but we are unfortunately out of time, and I hope everybody will tune in. It is tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Hallmark Channel. If you can't make it, please go ahead and DVR it because I know you're going to want to see it later. And uh, like she said, uh, Sarah will be on Twitter and Instagram doing some stuff up until the premiere. So thank you for coming on and sharing some time with us and talking to us about your career and uh, this movie. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. All right, guys, we'll, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got more, so don't go anywhere. The AMFM 24-7 Roku channel broadcasts all of our shows on demand. To ensure reliability, we store and stream our content on the same servers as Netflix and Amazon. Our Roku channel is free to use, and anyone owning one of the more than 10 million Roku devices can watch our channel at no cost whatsoever. If you have a television show or are thinking about producing a show, you can be a part of AMFM 24-7's Roku channel. Watch our great shows on your Roku device. It's free and more reliable than cable TV. Hi, this is Ashley Scott, and you're listening to AME Radio. Welcome back, everybody, and it is the end of the show, and I'm going to be closing with a little bit of music because I want to get us kicked off into the weekend, right? I am on my way out the door to Disney to go see some amazing friends of mine. I am very excited about it. However, we will be right back here at the same time next week. You can find us on WKLAP.com every Friday at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find us on AMFM 247 Broadcasting Network and their seven AMFM stations by going to AMFM 247 to find out where those locations are or hear it online. And that is every Saturday at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also now hear us on Radio Love Saturday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's radiolove.com. It's an internet radio station. And you can get us on iHeart anytime you want. All you have to do is go to the iHeart.com there's a little search box, search AME Radio Show. Find us, subscribe to us, and believe me, you're going to be like a VIP because you're going to get this, the, this particular episode a couple of days in advance before anybody else. So how cool is that? All right, guys, I'm going to leave you with a Disney song called zippity doo Da" by Allie and AJ, one of my favorite ones. I think it's a great song to kick off the weekend, and everything is satisfactual if I, have, if I say so myself. All right, guys, till next week, have a great week. Stay safe, and please keep those creative juices flowing and be inspired to do something and challenge yourself. Till next time, guys, we'll see you next week.
We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.